how can this benefit my political agenda, seems to be the question that the Biden administration and Democrat representatives in the state of Tennessee were asking in the wake of a mass shooting in Nashville at a Christian private school that's about 30 minutes away from where I grew up and about an hour away from where I live now. Let's get into it, guys. Warning, the following program contains critical thinking, honest opinions, viewpoints on culture that may seem conservative, and a positive view on absolute detestable things such as marriage and children. Listener discretion is advised. So this Monday, around 10 o'clock in the morning, about two days ago, a 28-year-old woman who identified as a man uh, walked into the Covenant School in Green Hills in Nashville area uh, and shot and killed six people, three of which were nine-year-old children. Now, my immediate thought upon hearing the news of the shooting was not, hey, let me uh, make a podcast episode out of this, because I don't particularly care for the way that we cover shootings in general, but especially school shootings. I feel like there's probably ones that have happened as a result of the media attention that they do get. Like, there are people who've probably committed mass shootings because they know that it's going to get attention. Um, You know, that's just my opinion. I don't know. The amount of attention and the amount of, like, I guess novelty that we give it um, kind of gives me an icky feeling. (laughs) I don't really care for it. But uh, I was watching the Tennessee legislature's House floor session on Monday afternoon, right after this had happened. And the things I heard said during the floor session um, kind of just spurred this in me. And I was like, no, that's it. I'm, I'm talking about it because I do not like the way that people use situations like this, use a tragedy like this to push politics. But I will put that frustration aside for just a moment and we'll dive into what actually happened this last Monday morning, which is kind of difficult to do because I wanted to just find one coherent article to read y'all. But with stories like this, um, people put out initial articles when it happens and then they keep adding to it, updating headlines, updating articles, maybe putting out new articles with different information. And so it's kind of just a chaotic mess of news articles all over the internet right now, if you ask me. But um, yeah, we'll just start with one article that the Tennessee Conservative put out because I feel like it gives a bit of the base information. Um, But yeah, so Audrey Elizabeth Hale, 28 years old of Nashville, Tennessee, entered the school, Covenant School, uh, in Green Hills through a side door on the first floor of the building and began shooting, making her way up to the second floor where the majority of the attack occurred. Officers engaged Hale on the second floor, killing her before she had the opportunity to hurt any other individuals in the building, all of whom were in lockdown mode following an active shooter protocol that was in place at the school. 
Hale entered the building by shooting through a locked side door just after 10 a.m. Monday morning. Four minutes into the attack, she was initially confronted by two of the five responding Metro Nashville Police Department officers on the second floor. The attack lasted a total of 14 minutes from the time Hale entered the building until she was killed by the police officers. A search of Hale's family home where she lived with her parents revealed evidence that she had been surveying surveying the school um, and she had a map of all the entrances, all the exits, etc., all the rooms. Also at the location was found a manifesto that indicated that she had intentions of doing even further harm based on plans that were included in the materials belonging to the shoot- shooter. We have a manifesto, we have some writings that we're going over that pertain to this day, Nashville Police Chief John Drake said about the evidence discovered during the search. Drake also indicated that Hale chose the school because of its lack of armed security. Chief Drake said there was another location that was mentioned, but because of threat assessment by the suspect, too much security, they decided not to. That area was here in Nashville, so we're continuing with that investigation, Drake said. Now, my thing here is we're talking lack of armed security. I know there's a lot of people when school shootings happen where it's like, it's the guns that are the problem. And then you have a bunch of people on the other side going, no, it's the people. The guns don't just shoot themselves. And it's like this whole argument over guns. But why are we not focusing on security? That is my question. Um, And I know it's the question of a lot of people, okay? There's a lot of practical people out there who are like, why are some of these schools not secure? Our children are there. Why are we not protecting them at the same level that we're protecting politicians and celebrities, etc.? Like, why are our children, like, numbers of them in these places, like, five days a week for a good chunk of their lives without adequate protection? from screwed up individuals like those that go and shoot up schools and kill nine-year-old children because of whatever reasoning they have in their heads. But I'm sure those of you who are actually listening to this are probably on the same page with me as far as that goes, so I digress. The article goes on to give the names of the six victims who were fatally shot. We have Evelyn Dykehouse, Haley Scruggs, and William Kenny. Those were the three nine-year-old students who were killed. Haley Scruggs, I believe, is actually the daughter of the senior pastor of the Covenant Church that's on the same property as the school. Um, and then Cynthia Peak was age 61. I believe she was a teacher there. Catherine Kuntz, age 60, was the headmistress. And Mike Hill, age 61, was the custodian. So all in all, that's six people, six lives lost, six families that are now grieving, and way more than six people grieving for sure there's you know extended family there's a multitude of friends a multitude of acquaintances there's all the families at that school who now have to explain to their children what happened you know it's a tragedy it is just like it is every time it happens which is why i find it abhorrent that Politicians continue to get up after a tragedy like this happens and use it to virtue signal and push gun control legislation and call out the other side for being terrible, horrible people who 
must want children dead if they want to own guns. Like, I I find it disgusting. I do. And I maybe there are people on the left who hear these speeches from Democrat representatives and Democrat presidents and whatever. Maybe there are people who hear those things and they feel encouraged or they feel like it's justified or they feel like it's the right thing to do and these things need to be called out and we need to vie for this legislation to save children. Um, there's obviously people who feel that way, but I just can't wrap my mind around it. How do you get up mere hours after something like this happens and somehow use it to push your political platform instead of just saying, hey, this happened and this is terrible. Like, I'll get into it in a bit once we actually take a look at what some people um, in politics had to say about this. But yeah, I'm obviously quite bothered by this. I mentioned earlier that the shooter was a 28-year-old woman who identified as a man. Now, let's just read this little snippet from a New York Times article on the situation, which says, there was confusion about the gender identity of the assailant in the immediate aftermath of the attack. Chief Drake said the shooter identified as transgender. Officials used she and her to refer to the shooter initially, but according to a social media post and a LinkedIn profile, the shooter appeared to identify as male in recent months. In recent months, okay, um, which says a lot about the stability of this person, but whatever. Also, for the record, I say that in light of the fact that the police chief came out and was pretty much like, hey, by the way, this woman uh, was being seen by a doctor from for an emotional disorder, and yeah. You know, personally, I'd like to know what exactly this emotional disorder was. I'd also like to know why exactly this woman shot up a school. Um, supposedly, she attended the school when she was a child, and so some people are speculating, oh, well, you know, maybe it was like some sort of revenge or, you know, whatever, but I don't know. Either way, it's insane. At this point, I've probably read several hundred comments on social media about the situation. I think that there's a, a few too many people defending this shooter that there's not a lot if you were to like ratio it from like people who are defending her to people who are not but there's definitely some people out there who have this thought process of don't call her insane don't call her crazy don't call her mentally unwell you know please show love to the mental health to the to the mentally unstable community and it was stuff like that and i'm like okay see only a mentally unwell person or a person driven by evil shoots up a school okay only a mentally unwell person or a person driven by evil shoots and kills three children with no regard for their lives I'm sorry, it's either one or the other. It doesn't mean, like, that all mentally unwell people are evil or that evil people are always mentally unwell. There's a variety of factors that play into these things, but I'm sorry. I believe people should have the opportunity for redemption from God if nobody else, but the last person that you should be defending in this situation is the woman who shot and killed these six people, three of them being children who did nothing. 
to this woman. Like, I mean, none of these victims did anything to this woman, supposedly. But I'm like, these were children. Like, what on earth? And I don't know. It just It's insane to me that there's people who feel the need to defend the shooter just because there's people out there calling that person crazy. I'm like, well, yeah. Um, I feel like if you're if you shoot up a school and you kill people, I, people are gonna call you crazy. Like I I don't <laughs> I don't understand that right there. As far as the transgender aspect of the story goes, there was a lot of people who were upset that Audrey Hale was pretty much dead named by the press um, until the police realized that she had started to identify as a male and go by the name Aiden. I think so. Um, yeah, there's that whole part of the story. Honestly, I don't really care what your name is, and I don't really care what your pronouns are when you murder children and three other people. Like, why why is this what people are focusing on? Why is this the big issue here? (laughs) But whatever. One thing that I thought was actually kind of interesting in this whole thing was that there were several publications, uh, like right-leaning publications, that referred to Audrey as a trans woman, um, which would technically, if we go by the definitions as they're generally accepted, a trans woman is a man who identifies as a woman and presents as a woman, um, and then a trans man would technically be what Audrey Hale was trying to be if that makes sense. So I saw like several references to her as a trans woman and I was kind of confused. I was like, do I have my facts wrong? I thought she was a biological female. Um, So I don't know where exactly that came in. I don't know if people were just confused and used the wrong term or if maybe like in some way people were trying not to condone the whole transgender thing like they were trying to be like well she's still biological woman so we should call her a woman but she is identifying as trans so we'll call her trans so it's a trans woman um so they were like trying to make a headline identify what she was identifying as while at the same time not really condoning the whole trans ideology i don't know what that was um Kind of confused me, but whatever. I also think there's a lot of things about the story that probably won't end up being released to the public as they come up in police investigations. Um, There's probably plenty of things the police won't even be able to figure out uh, because you can't see inside of a dead person's mind. You can't even see inside of a living person's mind for the most part, at least from the science that I am aware of. But the thing is here with the fact that this woman was identifying as a man Um, and had started to in recent months, I've seen a lot of people raise the question of, well, was she taking any medications? I don't know if there's any substance to this question. I don't know, but I think it is a fair question, okay? Because we've heard from several detransitioners at this point of women who started transitioning to become a man, if you will, um, and then stopped and detransitioned from that as much as they could, that testosterone taking those hormones caused them to be like incredibly angry and not know how to deal with their emotions. They couldn't cry. They couldn't deal with them the way they had always dealt with them. And they were just so unexplainably angry. Um, You know, I think guys grow up 
and ease into the levels of testosterone that they end up with as adult males. Um, and as a woman, if you just start taking testosterone at the rate that um, some people end up taking it, it can probably cause you to be more violent, be more aggressive. So I think the question of did that play a factor in this shooting and the other shootings that this person had planned, I think that is um, a reasonable question to ask. The other concern that I've seen brought up over the gender identity of this woman is the rhetoric that surrounds the LGBTQ plus community and then those who disagree with a lot of their lifestyles or ideologies or however you want to put it. Um, and how angry that can make some people or how sad and devastated that can make some people. Okay, so if you're um, identifying as transgender or if you identify as gay or you identify as lesbian or whatever, and you're constantly told that all these Christians, they hate you, okay? All, all these Republicans, they hate you. All these conservatives, they hate you. They want you dead. They're going to shoot you down dead in the streets. Like, if you're constantly being told that that is how these people view you, then that doesn't leave much room for like, oh, maybe these people are nice people. It sounds like these people are terrible people and they're going to kill me if they get the chance or they're going to hurt me if they get the chance and whatever. And so there is that rhetoric there of like somebody like me, a conservative Christian who votes Republican, um, would be pitched in some ways, to be this terrible, horrible person who hates gay people and hates transgender people and hates whatever, okay? But the reality is, is that I don't harbor hatred for anybody based off of their, what they are sexually attracted to or what they identify with in their gender, okay? Like, that that's ridiculous, okay? <laughs> and I, and I don't have hatred in my heart for people based off of that stuff. However, I think there are people who identify as transgender, who identify as homosexual or bisexual or whatever it is, we're not binary, okay, who feel that people with the same ideologies as me are out to get them or out to harm them. And that can lead to what? Feeling the need to stand up, feeling the need to be aggressive and defensive, and feeling the need to get revenge in some cases. And so there's this question of, did that rhetoric push this person over the edge? Uh, especially if they recently started identifying as trans, um, especially with all the legislation that's been passed to protect children who want to identify as trans or whose parents want them to identify as trans. With all of that going on, with all of the polarization surrounding the trans situation here in this country, um, I think it makes sense that somebody would be new to the scene, bombarded with all this, feel like people hate them for who they are, and then rush out and go try to take revenge on their Christian private school that their parents made them attend when they were younger and who they now believe hates them and would harm them. I don't know if that's the case. I just think it's something to think about, you know? I think to be fair, um, 
this woman, you know, could have experienced something harmful at that school, uh, at the hands of a teacher or a student or whatever. Um, I think this woman could have experienced something later on in life that led her to believe that something happened at, at that time in her life. Who knows? There's, there's drugs out there that screw with your brain. Um, that's why the pharmaceutical stuff is kind of dangerous, kind of sketchy, you know, maybe don't do that. Um, if you, if it's not prescribed to you for something specific, but just in general, there's a multitude of reasons why this woman could have reached the breaking point that she did. And if circumstances were different, that would lead me to feel an insurmountable amount of sympathy for this woman, um, you know, trying to be like, hey, I don't know what she's experienced. I don't know what led her to this point of instability or this point of breakdown. There's a lot of things that people can experience in life that are traumatic. And it's like, and you want to be understanding of that. But when somebody does something like this, that's so horrible, it's really hard. I mean, you can still do it, but it's really, really difficult. But I guess we'll uh, go ahead and move on to uh, the politicians and the way that they felt they needed to respond to this terrible, horrible situation. Um, We'll start with Joe Biden, you know? Let's start with him. My name is Joe Biden. (laughs) I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. (laughs) And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. <laughs> I think I'm kidding. I'm not. God. Ben, how are you, pal? One of the best guys in the United States Congress, Ben Cardin. <laughs> Folks, uh, welcome to the White House. Okay, that's semi-messing with you. Because even though the press was told he was going to first make a statement about the shooting in Nashville, he decided to make some jokes first because he was actually talking to an entirely different group of people about an entirely different subject. It was like a women's summit at the White House or something. So um, I'll give him that, I guess. But also really bad jokes. Not funny. Don't know why people were laughing. That's personal opinion. I know humor is subjective, but come on. Anyways, this is what Biden actually had to say about the Nashville shooting. We're monitoring the situation really closely, Ben, as you know. And uh, we have to do more to stop gun violence. It's ripping our communities apart, ripping the soul of this nation, ripping at the very soul of the nation. And we, we have to do more to protect our schools so they aren't turned into prisons. You know, uh, the shooter in this situation reportedly had two assault weapons and a pistol, two AK-47. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. It's about time that we begin to make some more progress, but there's more to learn. But I just wanted to send my uh, concern and hearts out to so many parents out there. I've been to so many of these sites, as Ben knows, by virtually every one. And uh, one of the things you folks should, I know you do know, but you should focus on. You know, just like when in the military, when my son was in Iraq for a year, other places, you, there's so many members of the military coming back with post-traumatic stress after witnessing 
the violence and participating in it. Well, these children, these teachers, you should be, should be focusing on their mental health as well. And so I'm grateful anyway. Sorry to start off that way, but I couldn't begin without acknowledging what happened. Dude will literally stand up there as president of the United States and say, I can't do anything about it, guys. Points at Congress. It's up to them. I don't know what to tell you. I'm helpless. If I was in Congress, I would do everything to ban assault weapons. I would do all the things, all the things. Um, when he himself was a U.S. Senator from 1973 to 2009, and I could not find a single piece of legislation having to do with gun control, banning assault weapons, any of that. If you know of legislation that Biden brought uh, or co-sponsored regarding this issue while he was a senator, please feel free to prove me wrong, but I could not find any. And you can make the argument of like, well, mass shootings happen more now than they did during the time that he was senator and times have changed and this is more of an issue now. But I'm just saying, okay, it's kind of like the pot killing the kettle black, like that whole thing, right? Because during his time as senator, Joe Biden probably did just as much for progressive ideologues as hardcore Republicans nowadays do for them. Little to nothing, okay? Especially when it comes to partisan issues. Little to nothing. But I digress. Let's turn our attention to the responses of Tennessee legislators on the House floor last Monday afternoon, just several hours after the shooting occurred. Uh, You had people getting up calling for better gun control legislation. You had people getting up there saying, we need to, you know, the prayers are not working. We need to actually, like, act. Uh, And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you have to actually do things too, but also let's not do the gun control things that you want to do. And then you had people getting up there being like, how do you say you're pro-life when you're like not pro-gun legislation, you know, and after things like that get said, uh, speaker goes, bang, 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 out of order. You're out of order. That happened twice. So I'm just going to play a few clips and let you get the gist of it. Everybody in this room, everybody who has the honor of serving in this hallowed building has to take an honest look in the mirror and ask ourselves if we have done everything that we possibly can to have prevented this tragedy. You know, they say everything happens for a reason and some people subscribe to that belief. But in this instance, we have to wonder if if this happened because we allowed it to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you, please, please look yourself in the mirror and ask if we are doing everything that we possibly can to prevent this and other tragedies from taking place. I would give up any of this, anything I have, I'd give up the seat, I'd give up my vote, I'd give up my life for my children. And I hope we can all lead and say, you're willing to give up whatever you have to do what's right for the children of Tennessee. Mr. Speaker, I ask that everybody in this room, please, let's have the courage to do what's right. Let's stand up to those who continue 
to lead us astray. And let's say, let's stand up for the children of Tennessee. There is nothing more important. And then, of course, I can't help but play the out-of-order situations that took place. Uh, The first of which was Representative Bo Mitchell, a Democrat out of Nashville area, got a little too heated. Uh, So, yeah, here you go. I didn't have one person ask me for thoughts and prayers today. They asked me for courage to come down here and do something. And I... I'm going to try. I've been trying for years. I'm going to continue to try. But I'm asking you, you know, there ain't a person in here that wants to take someone's handgun or shotgun or hunting rifle away from them. We don't need an assault rifle with 30 shot capacity on our street. It's not safe for our police. It's not safe for anybody. So please don't say you're pro-life and then vote to put more weapons on the street. Representative Mitchell, you are... Hey, no, I will speak. You I know, will... sir, you're under welcoming and honoring, and you need to stay. I'm, I'm, Representative, welcome, no. Representative Mitchell, you're out of order. You can continue, but you have to stay under welcoming and honoring, and you know that, sir. You are veering off welcoming and honoring. If you'd like to stay, I am happy to do it. And you know the rules, sir. Representative Mitchell. I'll tell you one thing. There's six people today I can't welcome and honor anymore into this, into this hollowed house. So y'all just think about those six people we can never welcome in here anymore. And just think if your guns are worth it. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you can guess how I feel about this man's statements. The out of order was funny to me, but whatever. Uh, Anyways, then we have the second out of order call, which was on Representative Justin Pearson out of Memphis, Tennessee. um, And he's a Democrat as well. Although I think this is his first time being a legislator. I think he's a freshman legislator, a freshman representative. And so he seems to have like missed um, a little explanation on what exactly he's supposed to do, um, on when exactly he's supposed to say certain things. And so um, he got called out for not really knowing the rules pretty much. But then he kept yelling. Next order, Mr. Clerk. Announcements. Announcements. Representative Pearson. Thank you, Speaker. Um, Today I had the great fortune of being uh, sworn in again, uh, and I want to make an announcement thanking my family who's here, my mom, my fiancé, my dad, my brother, my Uncle June, Auntie Nikki, my friend Greg, Ian, and Lakeithan. Thank you all so much for being here and seeing how democracy is operating. Uh, and for your steadfastness, your love to help get me uh, to this place. Uh, The announcement, I guess as it were, is in uh, social justice communities, uh, something that's really important are names. Uh, And so I encourage everyone here uh, tonight to say these names of Evelyn Diakhouse and Haley Scruggs, William Kinney, Cynthia Peake, Catherine Kuntz, Mike Hill, Uh, as we leave or depart from this place. Six people are dead today. And I've been in this house a couple months, 
and I saw folks go up to the well telling me how important it was to defend our Second Amendment, having to pass resolutions Representative and things Pearson, like that. you're out of order. This is announcements, not welcoming and honoring. We're under announcements. I don't want to have to rule you. I don't want to have to rule you out of order, but this is announcements, and I understand you're new. So I'm going to give you a break, but this is announcements. Representative Pearson, you're out of order. Next order, Mr. Clerk. Well, roll call. Roll call. Now, see, I understand that people are heated. I understand that people are emotional. Um, that is part of how I try to understand people on the left side of the political aisle is being like, okay, well, they care so much that they're not acting rational. At least that is the hope when you're in a heated situation. The hope is that it's because they care so much about somebody. But anyways, I don't want to like necessarily straight up be like, these representatives are standing on the graves of these victims. Like that's, it's just kind of aggressive because I don't think that all of them necessarily feel that way. I think there, there are some statements, there are some speeches that are made by people that are going to of course be honestly um, how they feel. They're very emotionally charged, you know, and they mean every word they say, even though I wouldn't have said those things in this instance. But yeah, so, so some I can understand. Some it just seems like a bit planned, a bit ridiculous. All I can say is that if my child had just been shot and killed in a school shooting and just a few hours after that um, I had my state representatives, my president, whoever it is, standing up at a podium on the floor of the legislature, whatever it is, using the death of my child to push gun control legislation Okay, using the death of my child as evidence as to why we should ban guns or do this or do that, I would be livid. I feel like even if I agreed that we should be doing that, I'm like, why is that what you're saying right after the death of my child? And I offer that up as a hypothetical for my own personal opinions. Obviously, there's going to be parents out there. There are parents out there who appreciate this approach that legislators take. I get it, whatever, to each their own. I just personally feel like the conversation from the state legislature should have been more along the lines of, like, a unified front of, hey, this is heartbreaking, this is saddening, this is terrible and horrible and should not have happened. Let's take the rest of this day and acknowledge the tragedy in our city, in our capital, and we're gonna take the day off legislatively. Our members can go home, spend time with their families, spend time with people in their community that may have been related to this somehow. Um, and you're in our prayers. These families are in our prayers. And that's it. Like, or it should have been it, in my opinion. But, you know, it is what it is. I can't change the way that people responded. Obviously, there were plenty of representatives who were completely respectful and didn't use the opportunity to push certain beliefs and whatever. They just said, hey, let's pray, or hey, I'm hurt by this. I want to be there for my community. There were people who 
approached it the way that I wish everybody would have. So I'm not going to knock the people <laughs> who did try to be um, apolitical about this whole thing. Um, and this might be a little too lighthearted for this episode, but I did want to say there's kind of this whole thing um, when it comes to like House versus Senate. People will kind of be like, the Senate is proper and um, well put together and whatever. And then the house is just a mess. The house is just a madhouse. Okay. And um, personally, from what I've experienced, what I've seen, I think there is a bit of truth to that. Um, there's a reason. Uh, I feel like the most logical one is that the house is a larger body of people. There's a lot more uh, human beings to try to reel in when it comes to opinions and time spent talking and people repeating what other people have said. It's just a bit more chaotic naturally than uh, the Senate is. There's a lot more factors in the house than there is in the Senate, uh, which is probably why the Senate usually tends to wrap up a little bit quicker than the house does. And and why I did not, in fact, play any footage from the Senate in this um, episode is because the Senate literally, they started their session. They, I think, had a, a religious leader come and pray. And then I think they were pretty much done. Like, they didn't spend time giving politically driven speeches. That, that's all I got there. Ultimately, I do think that it was a good idea and the right move to go ahead and push all consideration of bills from the legislature's calendar on Monday, um, sort of a, a moment of silence from the legislative body for the state. Um, I, I think that was kind of important. I feel like it would have been kind of strange for them to just conduct business as usual with something so heavy weighing on the capital city and their constituents. But yeah, uh, so sort of a moment of silence, uh, one that could have started before all the calls for gun control, if you ask me. But um, we can't always have everything our our way. We can't always have everything to our liking. Anyways, I, I know this wasn't the most uplifting or maybe even the most entertaining episode, um, but I just felt the need to rant about a few things and uh, the way that people responded to this situation. If you are of the Christian faith and you do believe in the power of prayer, um, I would encourage you to spend some time praying for the families of these victims Okay, pray for healing, pray for comfort, pray for peace, pray for rest, all the things that they're going to need um, over the coming weeks and years and decades for some people of their lives. But that's all for this episode. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back next week with something a little bit um, less sad and terrible and horrible. I'll see ya, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, bye. Bye.